Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go, Giants fans. It is New York Training Camp Live here live. On the Odyssey app, I am your host, Sean Morash. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. This is the show where we recap all things New York Giants training camp every Monday and Friday from 2.30 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Again, live on the Odyssey app via WFAN. All right, 12 to 7. 12 to 7 is your final. The Giants and Jets in the preseason opener. And there is plenty to get into, and we can't get into the final score. And I guess we could start with just on a scope of watching football again. First Giants game we've gotten to watch, obviously, since beating the Dallas Cowboys in week 17, which was a lot of fun, highlighted by that Xavier McKinney interception. This game, not so much fun. Most of the starters did not play DNP, which is fine. It's understandable. It was treated like the fourth preseason game. But still, you get that hype and that hoopla around. All right, we're getting to see the team again. Get to see the Giants go out there and play again. Get to see what the young guys look like. And boy, was I bored to tears. And how could you not be? A 12-7 game where the backup offensive line throw them all in the bathtub. I mean, my goodness, what a disaster and a disgrace they were. Clayton Thorson, which we'll get to in just a second, ends up getting concussed because the offensive line can't block anything, but not as if Clayton Thorson was doing any wonders. I mean, boy, you feel bad for wide receivers at the back end trying to make a name for themselves with it on tape. Had a quarterback that can't even deliver the football. Checking down on fourth and seven. Woof. But Clayton Thorson is now out. He's been waved slash injured with that concussion problem. Brian Lewerke, former quarterback at Michigan State, will now take his roster spot. So you know we like playing that good, the bad, the ugly, every week here on G-Wiz. And I guess now that we have preseason games, we're going to get into that good, the bad, and the ugly. So you just heard me mention Clayton Thorson. Let's start backwards to front. How about we end with good news this go-around? The ugly has to be, has to be Clayton Thorson. He is awful. Absolutely dreadful. As a quarterback, and this is beating a dead horse, I understand. Here's the problem with Clayton Thorson. If the Giants ever get to the point where they're playing a third-string quarterback, it's it's washed anyway, right? I mean, you saw what happened with the Denver Broncos last year with their COVID concerns when they had no quarterback. 
you're out there basically for Vegas purposes. How much will you lose by? So I'm not overly concerned about the fact that Clayton Thorson stinks and the Giants may need to lean on him. The season will be washed anyway if you lean on him. The problem is you can't properly evaluate a soul on that offense if you have a quarterback that actually cannot function on the professional level. And that's saying something because we've seen some brutal Giants offensive ones, first-string ones, forget the third-string ones, and some brutal Giants preseason quarterbacks. But, I mean, even Rhett Bomar could find Victor Cruz in the corner of an end zone, right? I mean, Clayton Thorson, we wasted our time for three quarters watching Clayton Thorson try to navigate an offense. We just did. He was the ugly. Hopefully, we never see him preseason or not in a Giants uniform again. Hard for me to give, give you a good read on Mike Glennon. I guess he was fine. Mike Glennon looked like a backup quarterback. I guess we will see more of that. But the absolute ugly from this preseason game is Clayton Thorson, and he's out. He's out on his ass, frankly. The bad. Okay, this is going to – we're going to split a little bit here on the offensive line because if you're on the Jets side of things, here's we're watching New York training camp live. Obviously, the storyline coming out of that and what you're going to watch the most, right, is what Zach Wilson did and what Zach Wilson took care of. And Zach Wilson, while he didn't flash greatness, Zach Wilson didn't look like he didn't belong on a football field. So I think if you're a Jet fan, you're excited for what Zach Wilson had. So the reason I bring up Zach Wilson is what are you watching for if you're a Giant fan? Well, you didn't get to see Daniel Jones. You didn't get to see Saquon Barkley. We'll get to him in a second. Heck, you didn't get to see Kadarius Toney. Again, we'll get to that in a second. No Kenny Galladay. You're not seeing Evan Ingram. You're seeing Sterling Shepard a lot on the sideline. Looks awful in the number three, by the way. Uh, defense, no Logan Ryan, no Leonard Williams. Yeah, you know, okay, we'll talk about Aziz. We can talk about Reggie Ragland. The thing you were watching is they threw – except for Shane Lemieux still battling back for injury, the four starting offensive linemen out there for three series. And we're going to pick this apart as part of the good and the bad. The bad, first of all, has to be Matt Parrott. Now, I have high expectations for him. He was a third-round pick last year out of UConn. When he got in and he was able to play a bit, again, never really had to count on him full-time, he showed positive signs. There were some ugly moments for sure, but he at least showed enough positive that you're like, okay, I can see the raw ability of a Matt Parrott and that's exactly why the Giants took him with the third overall pick. Now, it's his job to lose. And if he does lose it, it'll be in the hands of Nate Solder transitioning back from left tackle to right tackle. And I think as Giant fans, I mean, I guess you could do worse in a backup tackle role, obviously. But you'd like to see the third-round pick take the onus there. And here we go out, first series. And Matt Parrott gets his tail kicked so much so that Mike Lennon gets sacked on that third down. It was just an ugly opening of the hips, terrible attempt at blocking. And, and the Giants simply can't have that. And before I tackle the good here on the Giants' offensive line, the problem is for years as the Giants have tried to sign the left tackle problem, right? Whether it's Eric Flowers, Nate Solder, who who's never lived up to his contract. The truth is it wasn't a, a one-position problem on the offensive line. The offensive line as a whole – like we had never seen before, completely deteriorated, and you were basically throwing darts trying to fill every position. And if all those other spots on the offensive were adequate to good, and you're left with a problem, you would rather that problem probably be at one of the guard spots where you could try to hide it the best you can. If you're opening up a clean path foul, basically, to use an NBA term, and get a run at the quarterback because you have a turnstile there, a la Bobby Hart, it's going to be a problem. Now, I think there's enough room for improvement. Obviously, we're all seeing it on tape, so I can only imagine what the Giants' film room looks like from that pair. But that can't happen. 
And when you consider winnable games early in the year, and that includes the Denver Broncos, that includes the Washington football team, you're also talking about a team where their strengths actually play at the pass rush position. Is Matt Peart ready to go up against a Von Miller or a Bradley Chubb, depending on what side those guys line up on? Is he ready to go up against Chase Young, Montez Sweat, whatever Washington throws up and changes up their fronts on? with two games basically in five days to start the year, that might be a tough ask. And that could be, again, the difference between this team being a playoff team and not is simply, you know, tight games versus teams that are also not great, but trying to take that next step like the Giants are this year. A win or a loss could be determined by the fact that your right tackle is a swinging door. And and that can't happen. So that's a bad. I, I'm not going to call it ugly because it wasn't as bad as Clayton Thorson, but as the potential to be ugly, and it, I found it very disappointing because I really, and maybe it was blind love, blind loyalty. I really kind of looked at the Matt Parrott situation at right tackle this year and said, you know what? I saw enough promise last year. I do think he's going to take the next step. And by the way, he still may. And judging an offensive line completely good or bad on three series generally can be kind of dangerous because there is such a thing to a rhythm and a flow of a game as well. Now there's the tendencies of a defensive pass rush to learn what you're doing and they adjust as well. But I do think you can tend to get more of a rhythm as a game goes on and start to feel yourself a little bit where it's very possible to do that at the three series, but to start off as ugly as Parrott did giving up that sack, that's definitely warranted of the bad. Now the good news on the offensive line. Look, Andrew Thomas looks like a quality player at the left tackle position. And like I just talked about, whether it was Eric Flowers or Nate Solder, go down the line. The Giants are in need of a quality left tackle. And, Andrew Thomas doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer for me. I know you drafted fourth overall. You'd love to put on the yellow jacket. doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer to me. He just can't be terrible and stink. He actually, I, I would settle, and that's a slow bar for, hey, he's a, he's a slightly above average left tackle. To me, you can absolutely run an offense behind that. But I think Andrew Thomas might be better than that. I think Andrew Thomas actually is the goods at left tackle. And because of his slow start and, and really couple bad games in the first half of last year, and remember, the Giants went against some really big pass rushers. Andrew Thomas, ironically, maybe his best game could have been the opener versus T.J. Watt. But they went against some some really strong, really good pass rushers. And Andrew Thomas struggled like a rookie should. And then when Mark Colombo was fired, Andrew Thomas, for whatever reason, cleaned up his cleaned up his act a little bit. And who knows if that was really what a lot of the friction was about with letting Mark Colombo go. But yeah, I, I thought Andrew Thomas gave the Giants a little something at left tackle. I, you know, his techniques. I saw Bobby Skinner was tweeting a lot of the hand techniques. He looked like a quality left tackle that had a feel for where his quarterback was going to step up in the pocket, knew how to guide those pass rushers and give his quarterback enough time. And that's really what you need to ask for and look good in the run game as well. The other good part of this, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez switching guard positions is a guy under the microscope, and as he should be. Uh, battled COVID last year. Maybe that affected him a little bit. He's never really lived up to the billing where the Giants thought they had a real mauler at the guard position, a la a new Chris Knee. And Will Hernandez has lost a little weight. He's showing power in the pass protection game. I I thought he played a really – he certainly didn't jump out and go, oh, Will Hernandez can't block anybody. Will Hernandez has played well. And Nick Gates is the other good part of this. Nick Gates looks like a real legitimate NFL center. And that, hey, light bulb, developing a back end of the roster guy into an offensive lineman is something that the Giants have done forever, right? Rich Seibert, when you think of a guy like that. And here is, here, here is Nick Gates, and he's finishing blocks. He's, he's putting people on the ground. So dare I say this, uh, we should all be nervous about how Matt Parrott looks. And I don't think 
that you need to say that Matt Parrott's going to be terrible completely off of this first game. It's certainly a little bit alarming. And I don't think that you necessarily watch the good from Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, and Nick Gates in this game and say, all right, well, now the offensive line problems are fixed. There's probably a little bit of a happy medium here. But at least if you're going to harp on the bad, as many people have with Matt Parrott, you should at the same time hop on the good and what you saw because Andrew Thomas is a guy that a lot is invested in. Will Hernandez was a guy that a lot's invested in, and he's playing for another contract. And by the way, you know, simply assuming you're going to plug and play and, and, and fill that guard position when Will Hernandez leaves, eh, don't be so sure about that. That's a guy who probably can start on other teams. So maybe he will be worthy of making a little money here. And Nick Gates at center, again, big time important position. So I think some of the questions we have about the offensive line at least show the potential that they might be answered. The overall waving of the wand will tell you that many Giant fans are in utter panic about the offensive line. But really, if they're relying again on those backup guys to play, it's going to be probably a problem anyway. That being said, with the retirements of Zach Fulton, with Joe Looney, we didn't even get to see Jonathan Harrison out there, which kind of stinks. The Giants do have to add more depth to this offensive line. I know they added Walton here uh, out of, I guess, where was he? Cincinnati, 34 years old, old, older guard. Maybe that gives you a little more depth, but thinking more than that, uh, where is Austin Ryder calling him? That might be somebody that, you know, can at least give the Giants a little bit of that championship pedigree, a little seasoning that they might need to fill in that depth because Kenny Wiggins, and we talked about him last week, he stunk. He looked slow. He, he wasn't good in that spot. And you name the Burtons, the Bartons, whoever you want to play a tackle here. They look like I would, basically, if I was entering the NFL. Chad Slade, fine, nothing great. We didn't get to see Nate Solder play. Arguably, your two best current reserve offensive linemen didn't actually play in the game, which is also a reason I'm not hitting the panic, whether it's Harrison or Solder. And if you're getting away from those top five, and now you're talking about number six and seven on the depth chart before you get to eight, nine, and ten, those are the guys we're talking about that were really, really bad. Well, the Giants might be in trouble with anybody at that spot because I don't know you're adding a great eighth or ninth offensive line. So, yes, I get the panic and I get the worry about the offensive line, but when you really stop to think about it, the thing you really should be most concerned with is Matt Parrott taking that next step because you should feel good that something will get taken care of on the inside as long as Jonathan Harrison's here and something at least professional can be done on the outside with Nate Solder, even though, again... If Nate Solder was great, he'd be a starter. There's enough there positive with the offensive line that I could spin it that way after this game. But that, of course, was the number one thing we were going to watch. Now, if we break away from that, a couple other notes that need to be hit as the Giants lose to the Jets in this preseason opener. Corey Clement, all we heard about was how he was outperforming Devontae Booker. Remember, I've crushed the Devontae Booker signing. Again, if you're just tuning in, this is New York Training Camp Live hosted by Sean Morash on the Odyssey app. I also host the weekly New York Giants podcast on the Odyssey app and for WFAN.com called G-Wiz. You can hear me currently Sundays on WFAN and Monday and Monday through Friday mornings on CBS Sports Radio as a part of the VA show. I have been basically ruining the idea that the Giants rushed to sign Devontae Booker the first day of free agency. I kind of have had to eat it a little bit considering it didn't cost the Giants missing out on anybody, right? They, they got a Dory Jackson. They got Kenny Galladay. They got Kyle Rudolph. They checked enough boxes in free agency where, again, that didn't prevent them from doing anything. I just thought it was a bad visual to see them attacking the running back position on day one of free agency. And by all accounts, at least in camp, 
Corey Clement has been outperforming him, which would also drive me nuts, right? You signed Booker. He should be your number two running back without any question. But Corey Clement goes out there, he puts the ball on the carpet. Can't happen. Abso- turnovers will kill you. And we have seen enough of that. Look, we've shredded Daniel Jones, and I think that's the one thing you could say about Daniel Jones, the negative. People want to joke around about, you know, leading those turnovers combined first two years. And that's what people love to harp on about Jones. The fumbles, which I would argue seem to be cleaned up better in the second half last year. Not even the interceptions. If you actually look at it, FanDuel has their odds up right now of quarterbacks to lead the league in interceptions. Jones isn't doesn't fall on that list to like the 11th or 12th spot tied with Matt Stafford. So people don't expect and Vegas doesn't expect him to throw a lot of interceptions. It would be the team fumbling the ball. And if you're going to spell Saquon Barkley, if you're going to come in on third downs, maybe you're a guy who catches a pass out of the backfield. You take a couple of carries. Again, those turnovers will kill you. We have enough of that worry at the most important position at quarterback. We cannot have that concern at the running back position. And that was dreadful. It was unfortunately dreadful by Corey Clement to fumble there. So you, you wonder, right? I mean, we got Platzgummer, kid from Austria, taken off. He has the big run. Maybe a fumble like that is what eventually cost Corey Clement a spot on this roster if they feel like they're going to have enough depth a la Gary Brightwell behind Devontae Booker at that running back position. I hope not because I kind of liked what Corey Clement could bring to the table, but that fumble was tough to swallow, and that's what we're getting a taste of in game action. Now, something I probably could have included in the bad or the ugly with the Giants' first preseason game and what's going on in camp is the saga of Kadarius Toney. I have tried to find every excuse under the book, and I think that they were worthy enough excuses early. Look, whatever cleat problem he had early in those rookie camps, okay, uh, whatever. Something was missized, something had it. He had a personal problem, he had to leave, go back home, fine. I could live with that. Maintenance days, understandable. Giants looking to keep their first-round pick, their prize possession healthy. Now you're finding out there is a little bit more of an injury that held Kadarius Toney out of practice at the end of last week. Held him out of important game reps. Again, rookie first-round pick. You want to see him get in these games. And now Joe Judge has announced that any injured player will not travel with the team to Cleveland for those joint practices on Thursday and Friday, many of which we will get to tackle on Friday's episode of New York Training Camp Live. And if that is the case, if it's about the joint practices, Darius Tony probably is not going to play against Cleveland because he's probably not going to be there. And that means you're – You're looking at best case, he's going to get on the field versus New England. But I am having a little bit, a little little, little titty bit of that odd that I had when Odell Beckham had the hamstring injury and ended up missing the first month of the season. Now, all's well that ended well for the most part in Odell Beckham's career. I mean, he was part of the last playoff team. We could forget about how the rocky ending happened. But as far as on the field, Odell Beckham Jr. ended up being spectacular. And I'm not trying to make Kadarius Toney out to be Odell Beckham Jr., but that was the last wide receiver the Giants took in the first round. And you should have high hopes for Kadarius Toney. But hearing that this is a concern, that there are injury concerns around Toney, and that you know now it makes you wonder, do we need these joint practices if you're not going to bring the injured players there? It just feels like these are important reps lost. It really does. It feels like they're important reps lost. Now, Saquon Barkley is also one of these guys who, look, he's not injured in the sense of he just tweaked something. He's injured in the sense of he's coming back from his ACL injury. And there's a lot of questions about whether he should or shouldn't end up participating in a preseason game. He now looks like another guy. If he's only going to focus on individual drills and working on his rehab to get back with the Giants facility, he's not going to head to Cleveland either. So he won't face live action. And 
Are the Giants being overly cautious with not wanting to have him take a shot? I kind of get it. I kind of get it from a standpoint of at practice, especially you can't control who the Browns defensive coaches are putting in there. And if that's a guy looking to make a name for himself and he goes out there and he freaking spears Saquon in the knee or something like that, that you just don't need that. You're not, there's not trustworthy other guys. So I don't, I get it. I don't love it because I would like Saquon to still, I think there's a benefit to continue to work with the first team offense and really get rolling and you know, throw a red shirt on him. If you have to, front of defenders I just you know bouncing in out of the huddle how about a simple thing like just taking handoffs from Daniel Jones I think every rep there that he can is absolutely crucial and absolutely important so I understand why the Giants are doing it but it also makes me kind of anti having a joint practice to begin with if it's going to prohibit your guys from being able to take these quality reps and quality points I I have done the old sway back and forth back and forth back and forth we go on how I feel about whether Saquon Barkley should play in the preseason. And, I mean, it's very clear he's not going to play this week. I do think it would benefit the Giants to playing Saquon Barkley for a couple carries versus New England Patriots in week three. I have definitely come around to the, the human element of Saquon Barkley and knowing that we just talked about Corey Clement fumbling that football and how every one of these turnovers, really, when you think about the Giants, you don't expect them to blow the doors off everybody and go on this run and be 13-4 and four this year and, and be this magical one seed. You're thinking they're going to be right there for a playoff spot where one game could be the difference between not making it, which means one turnover the whole year could be the difference between not making it. Like It is that thin a margin. And the human element of Saquon taking a ball, cutting, maybe having a guy come at him, and then thinking about a million things mentally just to – get him relief and possibly fumbling the ball, dropping a pass on third down, something like that that could cost the Giants points. I would rather him shake out those cobwebs in a preseason game. And if the argument back on Saquon Barkley is going to be this, he gets his five carries, six carries, something like that versus New England, and for big goes down in a you know a heaping pile, something gets hurt and hurt on him. People will go, and, and Joe Judge will get killed for it, and, and Dave Gettleman will kill for it. How could you go risk Saquon getting hurt in a preseason game? And I think I'm level-headed enough now to say this, and I think Giants fans, you can tweet at me whether you agree or disagree, at Mraz CBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. This is where I would give you a level-headed approach. If all it's going to take is one of the five, six touches versus the Patriots to have Saquon get hurt again, I got news for you. Saquon was going to get hurt again in the regular season. And... I would rather know now whether Saquon's not going to be durable enough so we can move on with our lives and not cut somebody who we otherwise wouldn't for a roster spot anyway. Let him shake out the cobwebs. I have role reversed this. I would say a week ago, a week and a half ago, I really didn't care one way or another, and I totally would understand him not playing. I think he should play. I really do. I think he should play. Now, what I think, do I think that it's the most necessary thing in the world? No. But it also wouldn't shock me if there is, again, like I mentioned, that mental element where a mental error takes place because Saquon Barkley just needs to learn to trust Disney. So I would sway that. Now, I have some more positives coming out of an ugly 12-7 loss to the New York Jets. Aziz Ojulhart, 20 years old, obviously a guy who the Giants are so beneficial to have gotten out of Georgia as a pass rusher to be able to trade back in the second round, not up, and still get their hands on Aziz Ojulari, who, let's face it, he, he does have a little bit of the sniff of an OCU manure. He does. Best case scenario, he is an OCU manure. Worst case scenario, he's Oa Adigazua, 
which that can't happen, right? The Giants need help at the pass rushing spot. Many of the great pass rushers in recent history, especially not the high first rounders, who have turned out to be really good assets to the team, have struggled at least in sack totals in year one, where you know maybe it's five, maybe it's six. They're not necessarily exploding for the eight to 14 sack range where a guy just absolutely goes off. So that that could be understandable. Remember, the Giants were actually 12th in the NFL in sacks last year. But to have that one presence off the edge, we're like, okay. Like we're talking about week one, right? When you go up against Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Hmm, Bradley Chubb, by the way, that'd be an interesting guy to have. I wonder if the Giants could have ever had him. <clears throat> this is the kind of guy that the Giants need and I think would be really beneficial to the defense. And I understand they play a different style of defense where they're so good on the back end that you can scheme your pass rush up like the New England Patriots do a bit. But Aziz Ojulari came out and he he went up several reps on Makai Becton. And although he didn't show up with a big sack, he was he was shedding blocks from Becton, playing really well in the run game. He was looking and acting like a professional going against a real tackle. Now, Jet fans may have their own issues with Becton. Remember, everybody wanted to make him the second coming and knock the pick of Andrew Thomas in this town from Makai Becton. And maybe Makai Becton doesn't turn out to be as great a tackle as we thought. But Makai Becton at least has the ability to be a very quality left tackle in this league. And Aziz Ojolari wasn't phased by him at all. He seemed to handle him enough. Was he whooping him where suddenly there was sacks galore? No. But there was enough there on tape. He said, man, Aziz Ojolari's got some bend. He's got a chance to be a really, really good player. And this might be a scenario where, because of his medical history in high school, that he had to slide and, and less face-to-face meetings with people because of COVID. You know, the Giants may have ended up lucking out here with the COVID situation kind of changing the way teams approach the draft in that on a normal year, if teams got to meet with Oziz Ojolari and go through his medical records, maybe he does go first round and certainly doesn't last into the 50 range in the second round. And the Giants might have something. They might really legitimately have found a steal at the pass rushing position, which I, I think is enormous. And, and one more, I guess, if I were to go on the other positive note, guy who missed that first week of practice, non-football injury list, Reggie Ragland out of Alabama, longtime veteran. Now a guy I liked when he came out of the draft as a tackling machine to try to put next to Blake Martinez. We saw enough of Devontae Downs. It was nice to see him playing in the fourth quarter of this preseason game, which tells you where he stands. Devontae Downs a starter to start the year last year after they cut Ryan Connolly. Now, and obviously you like Carter Coughlin a little bit there, Tay Crowder a little bit there. Those are guys who you want to root for. They're young guys. You want to see them get better. And Reggie Ragland might be that perfect guy, even if he only plays two downs next to Blake Martinez. He, again, seemed to be very active, a very professional presence in the middle. And anything like that, because, man, these, these inside linebackers, guys miss games all the time. They're going to play. My guess is Carter Coughlin makes the team. Crowder obviously makes the team. And those guys play a lot as well. I think that is absolutely perfect depth. What if Blake Martinez goes down at any point in time, too? I know he gives you a little more pass rushing oomph than Reggie Ragland does, but that's a solid run defender, man. And and he really was all over the field. And that was obviously a signing that I think we could all say we were we were pleasantly happy with. And, and it was nice because you didn't know when you're signing a Todd Davis and then he's retiring as Reggie Ragland's hurt. And I know you needed guys to fill reps at that inside linebacker role. It, it, it's nice to see that right away Reggie Ragland, after all that is playing in game one of the preseason, is active, is very active. And the Giants may have a little something here. They may have a little something, and that that to me is very important. That reeks of something important, and I personally, uh, again, that was a guy a circle and say positive. So I would say this, in summation, after my last half an hour ramble here on New York Training Camp Live, twelve seven was as ugly as it gets from a football viewer's 
perspective, but I have to constantly remind myself, as we all should, that preseason is about the individual efforts and not the team efforts, which goes against everything we've learned with watching football and putting together a great football team. Those weren't the real New York Giants out there from a team standpoint. Your quarterback wasn't out there. Your running back wasn't out there. Your top receivers weren't out there. Your offensive line, for the most part, was out there. But your stars on defense weren't. But there's enough of those other pieces that played and led by the offensive line where, from a first-string standpoint, positive things were put on tape and relieving things that were put on tape. Unfortunately, we will harp on the negative as a fan base. And the negative was the backup offensive line's awful, and that pair giving up that sack early was unacceptably dreadful. And that cannot happen to start the year. So we say farewell to Clayton Thorson. Thank goodness for that. Brian Lewarki, we bring on in. And we say farewell to you for another episode of New York Training Camp Live. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at MrazCBS. That's M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. Remember to go to that Odyssey app. Search G-Wiz. That's the weekly New York Giants podcast. Subscribe there. We're going to have a lot of fun all season long. So even when training camp wraps and this show is is over for this year, all season long we have you covered with G-Wiz, your weekly New York Giants podcast. If you're looking for me to talk Giants football and following the preseason game versus the Cleveland Browns, I'll be back here doing New York training camp live on Monday. We'll be previewing it on Friday. But on Sunday, following the game, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, I will be hosting on WFAN 101.9 FM, 660 AM. And, of course, right here on the Odyssey app, I will have complete post-game coverage following the Giants post-game show, along with some Yankees thoughts, some Mets thoughts, and everything else New York sports-related, if you are locked into that. At Mraz CBS again, where you can follow me, find that schedule, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. This is Sean Morash with another episode of New York Training Camp Live. Enjoy the joint practices in Cleveland. All the news that comes out of them. Take care, enjoy, and go Big Blue. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.